let's... <sighs> huh. What? Oh, uh, never mind. I was going to try and do, like, the little Nikki voice in for my, like, for my, hey, babies, you know, it's me, <laughs> for my intro, but I can't remember the little Nikki voice. Hey, baby. <laughs> from the deep south. There, there it is. <laughs> the deep south. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that sucks. That's going to go on a post-cred for sure. <laughs> Welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm your host, Kayla. And I'm Kali J, baby, quack, quack, <laughs> still not used to this intro format. <laughs> Maybe we'll go back to the other way someday, but today, not that day. <laughs> okay, we've come together today to discuss <laughs> the 2020 film, She Dies Tomorrow. Okay, so this movie, as far as the cast goes, all of the people in this movie uh, have been working together for a long time, have been in each other's movies, been in movies with each other for like over a decade. They're just, they cross paths constantly, but uh, typically in like deep indies though. So I don't know how much uh, a normal person will have heard of, but some some yeah starting with this is written and directed by amy simons she was in wild nights with emily which we've done on pod she was she's also in the new pet cemetery movie and then acting in the movie we have caitlin Scheel, who was in brigsby bear which we did on pod she's in your next which is directed next. by adam wingard who's also in this movie uh who plays the dune buggy stoner guy at the end of the movie oh he also directed a segment on the movie VHS that both her and Kentucker Oddly are in. So Yeah, tell me about Kentucker Adler. Oddly? What a name. Oddly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kentucker. Um, so he's come up uh, on the past couple episodes, I think. I've watched movies of his and talked about them in the After Darks. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan of his work, both as an actor, as a filmmaker himself, and as um, he runs No Budge which is a uh, website and an app that hosts low-budget and no-budget films and short films, um, and they premiere stuff every day and do interviews with the filmmakers on their website. And that, I mean, it's just such a like incredible resource for independent filmmakers that he founded and runs. So that's like super cool. Conductor, you know, iconic. Yeah. He also... He was in a movie we've done on Pod. He was in Her Smell as well. He has a small part, but he's in that okay. for a sec. Um, he also, he has a couple movies of his own. His movies, he has a movie called Silvio that's cool. He has a new movie out right now that I talked about on Pod called Strawberry Mansion that I love that's doing festivals right now. Hell yeah. So yeah, Kentucker, very cool. Also in this movie, Jane Adams, who I also love. Uh, she was also in Brigsby Bear. She also was in two movies that I've, Talked about After Dark as well, Happiness and The Wackness, that are both really good. She is like, I think she has the ability on screen to be so natural in a way that 
many people can never achieve. Sure. I think she's so cool. And who else do we have in this? Chris Messina, who was in Six Feet Under, the show, and also in famously Netflix movie I Care A Lot. And Tunde Adebimpe, who was in Spider-Man Homecoming and also sings in the band TV on the radio. So we have a certified rocker there. Yeah, and that's all the cast I'm going to throw out. So uh, what's our critic scores? Cricket scores. scores on this one are interesting. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. 83%. Okay, pretty nice. Pretty good. Pretty nice. Metacricket, 80. And then? And with Google users, we got 53%. Yeah. 53% is unhinged. Uh, I would say quite hinged. I'm on team Google users this, this ride, folks. Uh, I think on this one, there's going to be a lot of background info that that needs to be filled in for you to totally get what's going on in this movie. I think we're going to sway that 53%. All right. All right. All right. So let's watch the trailer and then we'll get into it. Hi. How's the new house? Good. Can you come over? Uh, I can't. Are you okay? I am going to die tomorrow. What is going on? There is no tomorrow for me. All right, listen, Amy, I'm really freaking out right now. I feel like you put this idea of dying in my head. Can can you just call me back? expecting someone? Hello, Jane. You okay? I just have this feeling I'm going to die tomorrow. But how do you know? I just know. Okay, so you don't know. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday I just thought for a second when the lights went out that that was it. She could be right. Something. Something really bad is gonna happen. I'm ready, I'm ready. She did this, did this, did this. I'm not ready. This, I will say, I will say this. This movie has a really cool, really intriguing and thought-provoking process. I thought about this movie a lot today. Yeah. Because it's... Uh, the first, like, 15 minutes is just banal depression. And, like, I don't want to call it out, but, like, that's a lot of the vibe of the movie. When it's not group aesthetics and group scenes, which are pretty good in this movie, it's a lot of slow sadness. Well, so, Amy Simons. So this is, like, a very, very personal movie for her. Enough that she even named the main character Amy. She self-financed this, wrote it, directed it. This is like fully her. Damn it. Yeah. Amy Simon rocks. (laughs) Immediately going to change my tune. She self-financed this film using her salary from Pet Cemetery, So that's pretty cool. Um, She tried talking to investors, other potential investors um, at first, but felt like they were going to try and sway her artistic vision, really. So then she was kind of like, I don't need that. I really just want to make 
the thing that's in my heart and do the things that I want to do with this film. And so I'm just going to do it all myself. So I think that's Mm kind of cool. This was meant to be a personification of her experience with having anxiety more so than an actual like narrative story. Uh, So it's like a very personal capturing of her experience with anxiety. And I think what she's put into this movie and kind of what she wants out of it and the way she talks about her film, actually, it's very similar to how we talked about Joel Petrakis talking about his films and Relaxer, where Mm -hmm. just the film is meant to be more of a feeling and kind of replace words. So she doesn't like to talk about it too much in that way, but also just purely wanted to put her artistic vision into this and just having the story she wanted to tell and doing everything you can to like bring your vision to life for no other reason than that you're driven to, you know? And I think, hell yeah, yeah, I respect you got to have that big rocks. respect for that kind of no matter what you totally. think about the movie, I think. Uh, I think that that kind of passion and artistic vision and creativity are really cool and really commendable. So yeah. I think that rocks. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. So this film was scheduled to premiere at South by last year, which got canceled. So, but I still feel like it kind of reached a, a wider audience than a normal like indie film of this caliber too somehow. So maybe that's why the Google user score was so low, maybe had something to do with that. Cause I think this movie is not for everybody. <laughs> there it is. It's definitely not for normies, but normals will love. <laughs> so maybe we should just start kind of going into it a little bit. This movie is yeah. nonlinear. Uh, we kind of start at a place, go forward, and then at a certain point, flash back to before the beginning and then catch up to the beginning and then move forward again from where we left off. So it kind of jumps around a little bit in that way. It jumps around, but it wasn't... It's not hard to follow. Yeah, I don't mean to imply that it's hard to follow, just that, I don't know, just that that exists, I guess, (laughs) just acknowledging that that's there. Um, And because of that, we don't we don't have all the information at the beginning when this movie opens. We're just kind of cold opening into a situation that's sort of disastrous and then seeing the aftermath for a while before we get what happened to lead up to that. So you're kind of piecing yeah. things together for a little bit. I, I, I don't have any like I don't dislike that. I just that's just what's going no, on. Uh, I I did not care <laughs> for it. No, I don't want to be cynical about this. This is really... Because I have mm-hmm. thought about this. It just wasn't... It didn't strike me. I, I kind of had this personal relation to this. Because at a point, I was kind of able to discern she's in this funk, she's in this haze. Correct me if I'm wrong. i really having a hard time picturing this movie for some reason. But Amy doesn't talk for a good while. You don't know who Amy is for a good while. You just kind of know that she's going through something. I think at the beginning, it feels like she's going through a breakup or having some kind of hard time, but you don't really know what that is. Like I said, we're not opening with all the information. I think I maybe had spoiled myself. I think maybe I had read one of the plot summaries prior to watching. So I think I knew that she knew or had this feeling she's going to Mm -hmm. die tomorrow. And was kind of living with this mortality yeah. over her head. And, and, and when I, I don't know, that kind of stewed with me for those first couple 
slow minutes. It, it's well shot. It's well, like this movie. I want to make that known. Like, I think this is a good movie. Okay. I think I'm in that chunk of people when you say this movie's not for everyone. I think I'm in that chunk. Okay. Uh, but when you're trying to be objective, you think it's good. You think it's just not for you is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yes. I think this is a, a really like, would I recommend this? <laughs> spoiler alert. Like, yeah, it's it's a good movie. Yeah. But it is like, it's tough. What it provoked in me was, I don't know. I don't feel this. Like, just on the basis, you know, this movie deals with mortality. Just in the title. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the big existential, uh, knowing that you, that we are all going to die is, you know, that's a constant in film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a mainstay for a long time. It always will be because we are all on some level, you know, afraid to die because we don't know what's coming. But how I read this first couple minutes was moping around knowing you're going to die tomorrow. And I tell you what. Who gives a fuck? You know what? <laughs> Embrace it. Okay. It is what it is. Like, I have never felt much of a fear of mortality. I, I don't mean to like, oh, I'm not scared. Yes, of course, on some level, I'm terrified of it. But I feel I have been able to embrace that I will die. It is going to suck. But there is nothing I can do about that. And ugh, it just left this sour taste in my mouth watching this first like, a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about what's happening at the beginning. So we open on a close up of the character. I'm actually going to use character names for this one because they're easy. This is helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Because the main character's name is Amy. And then the other main character's name is Jane, who is the actor's name is Jane. So that's easy. Okay. Serving it up. Yeah. So we open on a close-up of Amy's eyes crying with a little voiceover from her. And although we kind of jump between characters in this movie a little bit, everything that happens kind of spikes off of her uh, in some way, Mm -hmm. even though we're not always with her. So at the very beginning, we see... Kentucker being upset in a room, kind of throwing things around, saying, I'm not crazy and there's no tomorrow. And the way that is shot is through the crack of the door, too, which I thought was kind of cool. Then we just see Amy like gasp awake and the door is wide open and she walks out the door and she goes home after that. In the movie, she just bought a house and that house is actually Amy Simon's real house that she had just bought prior to doing this movie (laughs) very cool and everything in the house the furniture how everything looked like that's just her house even down to the one room with the half done wallpaper she said she realized after starting that she wasn't very good at doing wallpaper and just kind of never finished and then found an excuse to use it in her movie (laughs) so cool yeah hell yeah and even like when she moved in, she said she had been sort of a um, a vagabond of sorts for like years before buying this house and had just lived out of a suitcase and never really like owned anything. Mm-hmm. So even when she moved in, she asked the previous owners to like leave a bunch of their stuff so that she would just like have stuff in the house or whatever. And here in a little bit in this movie, she's giving Kentucker a tour around the house okay i'm using everybody's character name except for kentucker i have no idea what his character name is Um, but um, but anyway she's giving him a tour and they go to a tv and she says something like 
oh yeah the previous owners left it here but like that's actually like what happened in her real life too so i don't know i just think that's kind of cool yeah so yeah when she gets to her house you just kind of feel that she's sad and we don't really know why and she calls a friend to come over seeming like she's really needs a friend at that moment like i said i felt like she was maybe had a breakup or something Mm -hmm. but her friend is just kind of complaining about her own life and like not wanting to go to a party and it's kind of like no (laughs) which is like in its own way a little bit like heartbreaking or whatever when you see somebody finally reaching out yeah so her friend's kind of like no i'm not gonna come over she starts blasting that requiem the mozart song on repeat (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) and starts kind of touching her house (laughs) kind of (laughs) fucking the floors and the walls Uh, yeah. Amy Simet's comment on like what's happening here, uh, I think is kind of interesting. So she was really trying to capture what people are like when they're alone and the parts that other people don't see. So like what it looks like to be alone. That felt very genuine. Yeah. Yeah. She said when she bought her house, she was having a strange feeling where she was like, kind of underwhelmed by how it felt to own a house like am I I feel like I'm supposed to be feeling something and I'm just not really feeling something for this and so she said that she would do that like start touching on her house like that touching on the walls and the floors and stuff and then Mm -hmm. she'd have this moment which I'm sure we've all had I get these constantly where you're like doing something goofy and you just suddenly think like if somebody walked in right now and saw what I was doing they would be like, what the fuck is happening? I would look insane. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much sums up my entire life living alone out here. <laughs> yeah, living alone, you really... <laughs> can go full insane. Your own. Yeah. There's a lot of shit with that. <laughs> yeah, because nobody's ever going to walk in the door, so I can just be doing anything at any moment. <laughs> So she thought it would be kind of funny, but also kind of disturbing to for like us to be watching a woman who's having this like weird relationship with her home in like such a private moment, you know, yeah. what just what you're doing when you're alone um, and just getting increasingly emotional <laughs> uh, and to where the viewer doesn't really know why yet. So yeah. I think that like when I saw that in the movie, I, I was like... What is happening? (laughs) And she kind of does give a little explanation for it later. But like, I think that explanation from Amy Simons really adds a new context to what's happening there. And I think that context is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It really, when you just said she's what people are like behind closed doors, kind of whatever. Like, yeah, that's probably why part of why I might have been uncomfortable is uh, I know what like, it's like looking in a mirror a little bit. Mm hmm. And, um, it, and also in a way a little bit voyeuristic, like you're not supposed to be seeing someone be like this. Yeah, like hearing your own voice kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, for, the, for the first couple times where you're just kind of like, that's, this feels off and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it achieves its intended goal. I think she achieves her intended goal very well. Yeah. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I also love that they had her repeat that song over and over and over again because I think Ugh. that's such, like, as annoying as that might be yeah, to, like, an good. outsider, but, like, that's, like, such a real thing. Like, sometimes you just, sometimes you just be vibing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know? <laughs> sometimes it's that you're vibing, too. Can you imagine? 
Holy shit. <laughs> I had, look, did I, look, okay, uh-huh. I'll be frank. Okay. Earlier this year, did I have a little streak? I think it was a, a probably a two-day period where I listened to the song Sober by Tool, like, three times, like, three to six times, maybe, and did I repeat it? Yes, but, like, she's listening to it for ever. It's this song. I absolutely, um... I would say regularly go through phases where I will listen to one song for hours. Really? <laughs> okay, I don't have that. I know not everybody's that intense because a lot of, I would say the majority of people, because um, I've had this discussion with a lot of people, majority of people are more like you, where they might play one song like a couple times in a row, and then that's like, yeah. they're they're done with it. But there are a sprinkling of people like me. <laughs> Um, (laughs) sometimes you're just not done with the vibe of a song and you just gotta keep listening to it you gotta keep putting it on repeat and i look i'm not the only one that's what i want (laughs) to okay no that's that's good i've driven all the way from chicago to indianapolis and listened to one song the entire way before that's insane (laughs) that's nuts i have to like listen to like (laughs) 15 half albums on the way to Chicago. I mean, it's not it's not like I'm doing that every time, but sometimes yeah, you just yeah. get in a vibe and there there are some that songs ability. that have like yeah, I guess I have that ability with my superpower. <laughs> yeah, your superpower is you get obsessed with songs. <laughs> you just be feeling a vibe and you just want to keep riding that wave. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And some songs have like really strong vibes too you know like you can't vibe out to like any kind of music (laughs) Um, there's a a specificity to it but yeah anyway so i all that is to say that uh when she put that song on repeat i felt that (laughs) so hell yeah hell yeah also just in the way that the shots are composed like for this part and throughout the movie Something that she wanted to capture was how when you're up close, when you get these extreme, there's like such a variance of extreme close-ups and then these like zoomed out uh, moments. So like when you're up close, you're seeing more of the like eyes crying or uh, a little bit of fear in the face kind of things. And then they zoom out and it's just kind of like, seems like nothing (laughs) Yeah. when they're zoomed out. And she was talking about how like, that feeling like when you have anxiety like your brain's going a million miles an hour there feels like so many things are happening inside but like probably from the outside perspective just looks like you're staring into space or something like that yeah um and that like nothing's really going on and so she was really trying to capture that and i think that the usage of those shot compositions was um effective in that way absolutely yeah it's it's stressful it's uncomfortable it's yeah and you're up close and they're being insane but then you zoom out and it's just okay some chick standing there with a leaf blower in the yard (laughs) yeah like uh what's going on (laughs) a lot of of muttering a lot of muttering deer themselves yeah in this movie you think this is mumblecore Uh, uh, it's got mumblecore folks in it absolutely all these people have been in mumblecore and or created mumblecore movies if it quacks like a duck and it walks like a duck you know (laughs) i'm uh i'm still coming around to what mumblecore even is i feel like i just watched a movie the other day actually that also had jane adams 
in it that I finally was like, okay, now this movie, I understand what people are talking about when they say mumblecore. Uh, that was a movie called All the Light in the Sky. But <laughs> it's like, finally, I get it that like, I literally had to turn on the captions because they're literally mumbling so much <laughs> that the kissing noises are louder than the dialogue. That's strange. Oh, what, what great sound editing. <laughs> I think that's just part of the vibe. Yeah. But anyway, I wonder how do industry people feel about the term mumblecore? I'll tell you, I don't, I don't particularly care for anything core unless it's hardcore, baby. <laughs> people try to do something core too much. I think it's overused, but I don't know. What? Who am I? What I'm do you think? baldcore. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Mumblecore to me has always just been like, oh, it's when these people do uh, a movie. It's when, <laughs> <laughs> it's when like what Joe Swanberg, Mark Duplass, yeah. these people, uh, Jane Adams, Josh Lucas was interesting. He's never been in any of them that I know. Hmm. Um, Ken Tucker's uh, been in a bunch too. <laughs> yeah, and Adam Wingard. Like so your is next is the other person, Caitlin, Caitlin Shield. Yeah. Oh, it's Caitlin. I was oh just watching God. a movie, a Swanberg with Caitlin and Ken Tucker actually before this. <laughs> yeah. The, literally, that's what I think mumblecore means. Mm-hmm. I don't think... If you try it's... and, like, look up what's the definition of mumblecore, it's just, like, movies where people talk a lot. And it's like, okay, well, that's every movie. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, if you... But if you Google, like, in the, it'll say, like, movies such as, and then it will just list yeah. movies by those people. Like, you... <laughs> <laughs> Once you like see who it is, you're like, okay, it's just all it's this group of actors. Yeah. And that's really all the genre is. Sure. And that's fine. I I think because uh, I I really I wonder do what enjoy they some. think about that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just is that more of a thing that like other people are like that's mumblecore, like how people are like, oh Taylor Swift is cottagecore or whatever, but like Taylor Swift isn't walking around uh, being like I'm cottagecore, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah, I don't know. Do <laughs> I mean look like a, a genre doesn't mean you know much yeah. when you think about it? Okay, let's get off of this because I'm over mumblecore yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, me too. Okay, so her friend comes over, and her friend is Jane. That's when we find out that. Amy has relapsed. She's an alcoholic. She's drinking. Mm-hmm. She's rolling around the floor, reveals that she's dying tomorrow, and tells Jane that she wants to be useful in death, and she wants to be turned into a leather jacket, like how trees are useful after death by becoming floorboards, which is kind of how what? she explains her touching the floors so much. But yes, what were you about to say? She's thinking the wrong way. <laughs> I believe I've talked on pod... At length about my preferred burial uh, of being fed to birds. Mm-hmm. And I think lean into that. Don't make yourself into a leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Just be fed to birds. That's kind of also like, especially once we get later in the movie and you find out like the process of becoming leather and stuff. Like, yeah, she's not really thinking it through too much because, oh no. first of all, the process is horrific. But secondly, like. Nobody wants to wear you as a jacket. Like, who's going to wear no. that jacket, right? There's so <laughs> many hole- holes in it, but it is so... Again, to its credit, when you're in, like, an anxiety or depression spiral, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion, in my uh, case, you grasp on to, like, fanciful ideas that w- will 
save you or or make it all seem worthwhile. Right. Um, Even if they may not be thought through that well. Yeah, and, you know, rare, rarely will they ever pan out in sure. any way. It's, you know, it's a spurn of the moment. You're just like, uh, you know, maybe it'll be good that I get kicked out of college uh, because then I can X, Y, or Z. It, it's just coping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this conversation is not a conversation that her friend wants to be having. <laughs> but I no, also think that her sucks. friend's like a little rude because clearly like she's having a very hard sad time whatever's going on with her we don't know at this moment what's going on with her really but um yeah her friend's just like i'm not going to be held hostage here by your threats of suicide and i'm leaving so i thought that was kind of rude when her friend's having such a hard time to just be like well bye (laughs) yeah i i felt like it could have used more context of her just simply saying like it's been like this forever. I'm always, yeah. you know, like demonstrating that she's burnt out on this because it did feel just kind of callous. Yeah, they do later kind I mean, even before this, I guess, kind of establish her a little bit as being self-centered. Yeah. Like when they were on the phone earlier and like clearly even then you hear Amy being like she sounds just fully depressed, right? She just sounds yeah. so sad and like needs a friend. And then this girl's just like, oh, I like I have to go to my brother's wife's party. Like, I really don't want to go. Like, I don't even like her, you know, and like, <laughs> or whatever. You could just easily like, get out of it kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. And not only could she easily get out of that plan, but she does not intend to go. And she just was going to stay home anyway. But <laughs> but also, like, isn't even asking, like, what's going on with you? I think she asks her, are you okay? And she says no. Yeah. But doesn't really even ask any follow-up on that either. She just kind of goes off on what her problems are right then. So, yeah, she's kind of established as a sort of self-centered character at this point already. And then later, I think that drives in even more. But I think that's what they're going off of with this. Yeah. So after yeah. she leaves is when, the first time that we get Amy seeing the colors and hearing the sounds coming from a, a back bedroom, which were also reminiscent of Ding Ding Relaxer. No. <laughs> All right. Sure. <laughs> and also similar lights used in uh, tangentially related Jackson's short license and registration. Oh. Right? Oh, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, it's really good. Um, But at the end of that, they do the blue and red lights on his face, too. Oh, yeah. And remember it, like, at the end of Relaxer, once it's Y2K. I that one so I can remember it. Yeah, you should. Give him a little rating. Give him a little review. I like that one. That was really good. Anyway. (laughs) But, yeah, also, you know, in the Y2K scene in Relaxer, they also do the blue and red lights that take over the house. So, yeah, I felt uh, in that way, I was like, okay, I've seen this. (laughs) And also sort of thought they might be cop lights at first, too. Did you think this? Because they were for a moment blue and red. Oh, yeah. Anytime I see blue, red, I'm like, that's the cops, baby. They're cop lights. And in both of the movies I just said... Those lights are cop lights. So uh, I don't know. Why'd they pick blue and red when they weren't going to be cop lights? I I don't really understand. Uh, I got no clue. Anyway, these lights come to represent the quote unquote virus and seems like how you know when a person is infected with it. They see these lights, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's how I interpreted it. Mm -hmm. So then we flash back to Amy showing someone through her house and that someone is Kentucker. 
she's giving him a little tour. They have a little cuddle. They're doing they're doing dating. And uh, this is at least the third movie that these two people have dated in. <laughs> they were oh, in yeah. uh, Simon's movie, Sun Don't Shine. They were dating. And I was just watching Swanberg's The Zone, where they're dating. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) She's so naked in that movie. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's practically a porno. (laughs) Me. Me, likey. It's called The Zone, you say. The Zone. It's on Canopy. Um, I I only got like halfway through it before we had to do pod, but um, it is so fully frontal everything nudie on the women and full titties like the whole shot is the titty so many times um and it's kentucker dating all these women so (laughs) anyway (laughs) next up booby town for old collie (laughs) j so they are seasoned daters (laughs) practically in a real relationship if you keep dating someone on screen for a full decade over and over (laughs) pretty much might as well so yeah they're dating that's established and they're i think they're cute yeah they're fine yeah they were cute i like the hot tub sorry not to get ahead hot tub's like the end of the movie (laughs) Yep. (laughs) and this part like they lay in bed and they do a little cuddle and they're like having a talk about what do you regret in life or stuff like that and she talks about having had an abortion but um even in that conversation like he's really gentle with her or like oh you don't you don't have to tell me about it or like you don't have to tell me if you regret it like don't answer that or whatever Mm. they're just sweet and gentle that's all yeah okay so then we cut over to jane so what's going on with jane just a little note that we do see her changing shirts and something i always notice about when women change shirts in movies is that they never have them put on a bra actually when they change clothes in general you Never. never see underwear or a bra involved and i kind of wish that you did especially like with Simon's like wanting to capture real life or like being hung up on wanting to capture parts of real life and what it's like to be alone or blah 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 that you wouldn't yeah. make them put on a bra i don't know that's real life that just doesn't get captured you want answers about the bra i just i want more bra representation <laughs> <laughs> Because look, you're sick of these. So many women anti bra folks. Some would say, "Look, if you want to not wear a bra, uh, that's go off, sis. Like, okay, please do your thing." But, however, the majority of women, I would say, are wearing them, and many have to wear them, <laughs> myself included. <laughs> There's no other option. It would be disastrous to not. <laughs> disastrous you say (laughs) it would be disastrous for me at least um and all i'm saying is it'd be cool to see some bra representation but anyway she goes to work and her work is that she looks at shit under a microscope all day and also she puts on the same song that amy was listening to (laughs) and this song kind of runs throughout the movie really like carrying that feeling throughout the movie which was interesting it's a bop it's a bop (laughs) so when she's vibing out to the jam and the microscope stuff she also begins to hear the sounds and see the color and she takes off running out the door dun 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 (laughs) another one so she tries to go to amy's house but amy's not answering so not one thing to be alone she goes to the party she was trying to avoid and (laughs) 
What a terrible idea. Well, I just hadn't thought about that decision. Yeah, but I mean, I guess, like, if you really don't want to be alone and, like, that's her brother, you know, like, there's maybe some comfort there, even if, like, something is happening that you don't want to be a part of. (laughs) Totally. I I do. I I just now, like, put myself in her shoes. I'm just the opposite. I would isolate. Yeah. I'm like, don't give me help. Let me be on my own. (laughs) Well, I think part of what they explore with this movie is how different people react to being confronted with death. Totally. And each one of the characters who are confronted with it in this movie react to it very differently. Where Amy has gone off and is now doing her like bucket list stuff, um, which we'll see more of here in a minute. Live in La Vida Loca. Jane's reaction is much more fear-based and she wants it to not be true she's really scared and and also is kind of in denial a little bit at some points i think or yeah she's just really scared she's much more scared (laughs) so she goes to this party and the conversation happening at this party was very funny (laughs) yeah the sister-in-law just going off on dolphins being sex maniacs (laughs) I tell you what, huh. I feel like I have heard someone talk about dolphins being sex maniacs at every workplace I've been at <laughs> in like the last 10 years. Well, you always work with normies too. It is it is interesting. Like, don't get me wrong. I feel like I've engaged with it most times because uh-huh. it is, every time I hear it, I'm, I am a little shocked because it's like, holy shit, they're monsters. Is it uh, even true, though? I feel like that's one of those things that's probably been blown out of proportion, too. Well... I mean, I don't know. Look. I've never Googled it, okay? Uh, but I have heard about it and read about it and whatever. We need, I need a Snopes on this one. Uh, the answer is complicated and somewhere between yes and no. Yeah, so I don't know about all that. Yeah, so she's popping off about the dolphin sex thing. When Jane shows up, she's fully in her jammies, just like kind of looking insane (laughs) being freaked out about death and she cut her wrist on the window so she's like all looks suicidal but she is so like she's so natural even in such a um absurd environment uh yeah i the word authentic authentic came to mind for me authentic grounded probably a really good one yeah yeah she's she's this movie felt very genuine Yeah, yeah very authentic yeah so she tells the party she also knows that she's going to die tomorrow and she says she knows in the way that you know you're about to get a cold even though it hasn't hit yet thought that was kind of a neat way to describe what's going on with them yeah that's a, it was a really good usage of something very distinct that everyone that... has felt bingo yeah. yeah i know that i'm going to die tomorrow okay great so you don't know i know that it's my birthday I want to talk about dolphin fucking. It's all I want to talk about. It's the only thing I want to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just insane. The sister-in-law also very mean. I mean, she says some really mean stuff to Jane in this area, especially once the brother leaves the room, Mm -hmm. saying like, I hope my children don't have whatever gene makes you you yeah Um, it becomes very cruel very quickly yeah to the sweet old woman but however soon after that we see both the brother and the sister-in-law seeing the lights and everyone at the party eventually (laughs) knows that they're gonna die tomorrow amy simitz 
said that the way she envisioned the sort of contagious element of what's happening to them is that she went back to a period of time when she was extremely anxious and realized that she was talking a lot about her anxieties with her friends, but it seemed like the more she was talking about her anxiety, the more that she was kind of spreading the anxiety and then making her friends also anxious. Especially like specific examples were like that she was becoming kind of obsessed with the news and um, just getting really anxious over things happening in the news. But then you're telling other people about it. Now they're anxious, you know. Yeah. So in that way, that's kind of what she relates the contagious element to in this. And I think that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. I thought it was super unique. Yeah. I thought it was just outstanding. Like, that's such a great concept to base it off of. I was a real slow poke about realizing that it was contagious. Mm-hmm. It literally tells you in the trailer that it's contagious, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. No, <laughs> don't say that. Yeah. You see her friend get depressed, and my mind didn't go to, oh my god, it's a contagious thing that's going to spread to everyone. Uh, I was just like, yeah, that happens. You get burnt out as a friend. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen now? So once I realized it was contagious, my notes were just like, this is so cool. This is great. (laughs) That was the turning point for you. This is a turning point. Like, yeah, that's why I want to like, I really do maintain that like this just what I wasn't, it didn't quite click for me, Mm -hmm. but I really saw what was trying to be presented. And I thought that was very cool. It just didn't, I think it could have been executed differently and maybe better but what the fuck do i know (laughs) um yeah very cool yeah and um it starts to get a little like more upsetting from here too like the brother and his wife like holding their daughter and telling their daughter i'm gonna die tomorrow and so's your dad and then like a a little bit later their daughter just screaming i don't want to die i don't want to die from the other room insane yeah and that fucking happens you know it's totally true that you know people are imperfect parents have depression parents Mm -hmm. have fucking rough lives and unfortunately a lot of that emotional trauma falls to the child Mm -hmm. fuck this reminds me of this great movie called the insect woman from 1963 it's this japanese movie and it's very much about like generational trauma and kind of I can't remember it right now. There was some great quote in it about the rain that falls on the parent also falls on the child or something. And I thought this was just a really quick, like, this didn't linger too long. This movie isn't all about, you know, it doesn't follow this through line of, you know, oh, the, ch- the child is now traumatized and acting out in this way and this way. But it was really effective the way it was used to show, you know, like, when we all know what it's like to... <laughs> can't believe it's like most of us probably know what it's like to have like a panic attack mm-hmm. but if you have a panic attack and you have a kid the fuck is the kid supposed to do right like they don't know better yeah did they spread the disease to the kid too exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah really poignant solid stuff yeah and then we also see the other couple that was at the party go to the hospital and the dude like pulls the plug on his dad who was in the hospital and uh releases him from life <laughs> Yeah. Those two also think they're going to die tomorrow. And the girl even says to him out loud, like, I was just waiting for your dad to die before breaking up with you. Which, like, Amy Simon said in her real life, like, her dad died. And a guy said to her during that time as well, uh, which is, ugh, that sucks. 
but it happens. I feel that's, uh, yeah, I feel that's unfortunately kind of common. Yeah. I feel I've heard that a couple times before. I can't think of anyone personally, but I just feel I've heard that. Anyway. I stayed with someone who was sick before because they were sick. (laughs) He ended up breaking up with me, so it was fine. (laughs) I had a girlfriend when my dad had a stroke, so like the same situation. I didn't have to pull the plug, fortunately, but I'm not with that girl. She was very cool about it, though. She was very helpful. Sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this is just more examples of what I was saying earlier, the different ways people are reacting when faced with death. Is it the brother and sister-in-law who are also saying, like, we're going to die and we, like, wasted all this time? Yeah, we wasted all this time. Like, what was I even talking about? I'm just talking about dumb stuff and, like... I have done all this stupid stuff that, like, doesn't even matter because we're just dying. Yeah, again, like, on point. Yep, that's what... (laughs) I think that's maybe why... I think I said this at the top that maybe I was uncomfortable with the first five minutes because it felt like looking in a mirror, and I think that's a lot Mm -hmm. of this movie for me. Like, I've had really shitty times, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, I think a lot of us have that we're just you feel like you're walking through a haze all day. You don't really know what you're doing, but you fucking hate it. And everything just kind of feels on repeat and it's miserable. Yeah. And like, what do you, and then you have like your leisure time when you're fucking depressed is to, you just like self-loathe and it's shitty. You don't do anything or, or enjoy anything you do. And it's just, yeah, like it gets that vibe really well. I think I saw some letterbox review just scrolling that just said it was just bad vibes. Mm-hmm. It was a two word review. I was like, yeah. These are all bad vibes going on. I did think that it was just really interesting, though, and that, like, the things they're exploring in this film I don't really see explored as honestly that often. No, it's done very well, and that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, it's uncomfortable how accurate it is. Yeah. Uh, Being faced with death does change your perspective on things and how you think about the time you spend alive absolutely yeah um so this is a serious episode (laughs) (laughs) life's a wild ride (laughs) simitz did note that what she was trying to elicit from the actors was not just fear and terror of death but also the rush of every emotion like whatever they describe death as like all of your hormones releasing into your body and you're euphoric and happy and sad and afraid and a little bit of everything and at the same time kind of nothing yeah that's cool yeah i think that she did a really good job capturing every angle of that absolutely yeah um okay so after this is when we get the time jump back to the before time things that happened before the movie mm-hmm. before the start of the movie <laughs> um so we get the flashback with kentucker and amy dating they go to his brother's house which is the house that she woke up in at the beginning so now we know that they're just kind of like having it seems like a little weekend getaway together yeah. they talk about doing mushrooms together they do mushrooms together Um, They order pizza, and when he comes back from getting the pizza from the door, then he's all, like, his whole vibe has changed. Yeah, he turns around. (laughs) I actually laughed at this. Yeah. Like, it it is very, like, it is a devastating vibe, but it's so jarring, like, that he gets up, he's like, oh, pizza's here. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, yeah, okay, don't forget to tip, or whatever. Yeah. No reply. He just kind of stands there for a minute. I honestly thought, like, he had been stabbed in the stomach or something. Like, that was... Yeah, kind of like I thought, the like, reaction that was happening. Yeah. I thought like, oh, they're going to start dying tomorrow. 
You know, it's yeah. midnight or something. Nope. He just turns around. <laughs> deadpan. Yeah. And uh, what is it? What does he do? He mentions the day after tomorrow. He just kind of mentions the day and then she's like, what? The day after tomorrow? And he's just like, uh, uh, nothing. Do you, do you want pizza? Like, but he's clearly like something's going on with him. Yeah. That's what had happened before what we see in the opening scene with him um, crashing the room and saying, it's tomorrow. I'm not crazy, I swear, but you know. Yeah. After that, we see Amy go into the house and from the side... Because it's like a side shot of her face. And if you look in the background, you can see like that there's blood all over the walls. And it's a repeat Mm -hmm. of the opening. So then we're like caught up to the opening where she's like, I didn't know you very well. We only knew each other for a short time, but it was a really nice time. Just a fully like repeat of the opening monologue so that you know where you're at. But then when we get the wide shot, we see the dead body on the ground. And that's Kentucker's dead body. Yeah. We don't know how he died. Simon said that the idea here was that ideas themselves have consequences and that the how or why doesn't matter as much as that idea that ideas have consequences and whether he killed himself or she killed him or how jane gets stabbed later like none of that really matters as much as that all these people believe that they're going to die tomorrow and that belief in itself uh creates a consequence which is kind of interesting Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and then when we see Jane, she went back to the basement and we see that blood dripping down her microscope and some of the trippy images that were from the beginning are, now we know, that blood on the microscope, on the slides. So it's kind of like filling in all of the blanks from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And I actually, after finishing this movie, went back and watched the beginning again and felt like that put a really cool... You just notice a lot more once you know, too, Mm -hmm. when you go back to the beginning. So that was kind of cool. When we're down to seven minutes left in the movie, we get a surprise cameo from Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, okay. Thank you. (laughs) I... This part was really jarring for me. I feel feel better about it now, but I felt so stupid when this happened when all of a sudden it's just michelle rodriguez and for some reason i couldn't recognize like anyone in the scene and i was like i don't know who the fuck anyone in this movie is (laughs) so what's happening here is that jane has like been stabbed or something she's bleeding everywhere she walks into this house i don't think we know who's what the house is right do we know I don't think so. I don't think so. And it's just Michelle Rodriguez and another girl in there hanging out, chilling. And Jane walks in and is like, hi, I'm Jane. I'm dying. And the girls are like, oh, cool. We're dying too. (laughs) Yep. And all Jane really wanted for the whole time was for somebody to validate her feelings throughout the whole movie. And suddenly these two girls are, these two strangers are like, yeah, we're dying too. And she's like, Oh, thank you. And now she's like content after that. She's fixed. She's fixed. And she goes swimming. I loved the the scene of her swimming with the blood just like trailing behind her in the pool. That was really cool. Yeah. It was insane. And it was, yeah, it was sick. (laughs) But what the fuck is Michelle Rodriguez doing there? (laughs) It was, it did 
throw me for a loop. Where did she come yeah. from? Why is she there? I also, I don't like her. <laughs> really? Yeah, she's problematic. Is she problematic, or is, does she just is she just mean on set? She's problematic. Um, several years ago, I don't know if this movie even came to fruition, but she was was going to slash maybe did play a trans man and all of the press she did around this movie where she was going to play a trans man was everything she said was just terrible talking about her mangina and uh all kinds of things like this and uh ever since then i've not cared for her she didn't seem to be too keen on like even apologizing for her statements or um, trying to learn more about the trans community or anything. She's kind of one of those. She she is bisexual in real life, and she yeah. has always been one of those like, well, I'm bi, so like I can't be homophobic or whatever. I can't Boom. I can't be uh, prejudiced because yeah. I'm bisexual, you know. So that attitude sucks. And uh, belonging to a minority does not mean that you cannot be prejudiced against that minority so yeah and she's not trans they're different anyway so i don't got time for that i don't like her that's fair yeah uh haven't liked her since then so uh wasn't stoked on seeing her in this but that's my opinion that's fair so what else is happening amy finds a custom leather guy finds out what she has to do to get her body to turn into leather i think isn't very into it yeah it sounds Salty. Oh, yeah. It sounds terrible. I mean... Sounds dry. I'm uh, ethically against leather. I don't know what your stance is. I know you're vegetarian. Oh, uh, yeah. I I unfortunately own a leather belt. Mm. Uh, I don't know where I got it. Okay. And then my grandma gave me a leather wallet. So it's... I am a... I am not trying to seek out leather, mm-hmm. but also... If it falls in your hands, you're okay. It, it is what it is. I don't like you're it. You're a, a freegan. <laughs> I'm a freegan. I just... Yes. I'm a, yes. Exactly. Yeah. I am grossed out by leather, personally. It is... Yeah, it does suck. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I don't buy it. I don't touch it. I think it's gross to touch dead bodies. That's my opinion, though. <laughs> uh, and that's okay that's if everybody fair. doesn't agree. Sense. But Get eaten by birds. Be normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're oh at God. the very end here. So Leather is gross, though. Yeah. Leather's gross. Uh, sorry, Charlies. <laughs> All you leatherheads out there. <laughs> preaching today uh okay so she gasps awake on a mountain says i'm okay i'm okay i'm not okay i'm ready and then that's kind of roll creds so that's specific like lines there simon said that she always caught herself having anxiety about something and then would be saying to herself out loud like i'm okay i'm okay and then realize that if she was okay she wouldn't be saying out loud to herself i'm okay i'm okay and um (laughs) When she changes tone to say, I'm not okay, that's her just like accepting that it's okay to accept the fear that, you know, you're really not okay. And there's no real closure to the movie because nobody dies besides Kentucker. I kind of, I kind of was half expecting like a ready or not style ending. That could have been cool. Uh, Just everybody exploding. (laughs) I kind of figured it would stay like that that mm-hmm. no one would die yeah i was surprised kentucker died i figured it would be so i don't know i got the vibe early that like okay yeah this is kind of like a, a film representation of being in a depressive state mm-hmm. uh, and being in that deep funk i thought the logical continuation would be that 
yes, all these people are losing their minds over nothing. Mm -hmm. And kind of just a reminder that, you know, that's all it is. It's just all in their heads. It's contagious. But at the end of the day, it's it's just in your head. It's no, there's nothing, you know. There's no curse. There's no prophecy that dooms you. So eventually, you can work your way out of it. Yeah, yeah, and that is like kind of what she's said about it too. Is like because for her, it is a film about anxiety, and with anxiety, there never really is closure. It's just sort of it's there, and then it dissipates. And um, yeah, you just kind of endure. Yeah. And she also wanted to represent like kind of what a a tantrum or like a panic attack sort of feels like where it's this big ramp up to the attack, this complete outburst of emotion, and then the weird calm after the storm. And she says like it's almost so quiet because it's gotten so loud and uh, that her movie follows that format. Yeah. That at the end it's just it's just quiet. Everyone's accepted what's happening to them or not happening and we don't really know i guess either way yeah even with kentucker dying like we don't know that it was any curse or virus or something that caused him to die um like i said it was just the idea that ideas have consequences so like maybe he thought he was gonna die and then he killed himself because he didn't want to face it you know or he wanted to be in charge of it or they got in some scuffle over a gun and she shot him on accident or who knows. Yeah. So the curse could be nothing. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think it posits that very well that this, it makes that clear that there's no magic behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no mysticism about it. It just is all in their heads and it is contagious. Yeah. So lots to think on on this one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is more of a, the whole movie is just a capturing the whole movie is mood, honestly. <laughs> it's what it is one big vibe. It's one big vibe, say. it's one big mood. Yeah, kind of like the specific things that are happening don't matter as much as like the depictions of the feelings. It's all about the feelings. And that's sure. kind of cool. Feelings representation. Not a lot of those in in movies. No, and especially not with like um not with like these really intense, complicated feelings that are sort of nonsensical, but like anxiety is nonsensical most of the time, you know? It's not really, I mean, it can be driven by stuff, but like it can also not be, and you can just sit around and be anxious. <laughs> yeah. Or like these feelings about death, like it's not really, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to like be anxious about death because it's gonna happen you know (laughs) like exactly so there's not anything you can do about it and i have heard people like talk about having like an excess like a constant fear of death and Mm -hmm. that being like that's the big anxiety my heart goes out to it that sucks yeah i'm so sorry i feel so like that's the one thing that like oh my god after living like living through uh a suicide attempt. I, I just knew I was like, okay, like me and death are cool. Like, <laughs> I'm not afraid of this shit. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put that one off to the side because like there's, I'm, I can't control that one. Like I can't control if death, uh, I can control if I go to death, but I can't control if death comes to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, there's some lizard part of our brains, some cock, I call it the cockroach part <laughs> for me yeah. personally, 
that will just try and live as hard as it can. Yes. No matter what Absolutely. else is happening. Yeah. <laughs> just got to rely on that little guy to do what it can. And anyway, we've gotten too heavy. We need a treat. Email us a treat. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely getting a donut tomorrow morning. Uh, I wish that I could, but unfortunately, I'm late to work every day, so (laughs) there's simply no time. (laughs) Okay, so we've rolled creds. Sorry for the most depressing ep yet. Even after doing movies literally about depression, how does this one end up so sad? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, we've rolled creds. What are we going to rate this out of five? We got to get this out of (laughs) here. Yeah. So all things considered, for me, it gets three stars. Okay. I acknowledge it is very, very well done. A lot of it just, it was un- either uncomfortable because it, I think it was, it too felt real. too real. It struck too close to home. Uh, and then there were other times where I was just like, it is, it is a lot of just, you know, voyeuristic viewing of people. Mm-hmm. And that didn't always hold my attention super well. But that's a me problem. I, I can focus on a movie. It just was hard. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to go... I'm actually going to go three and a half. Yeah. So not too too far ahead of you. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I did enjoy it. I don't know if I'll watch this again. I think that the, the idea is really unique. Uh, I think the way yep. that it was executed, also really unique for the most part, uh, besides the lights that I mentioned, everyone in it was really good. Acting was great. Acting was good. I don't think it's meant to really be anything more than that. It's just a capturing of a feeling. It's not trying to tell some crazy story or anything like that. I think it's successful in what it tries to do. So Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, we both said like big respect for just being so dedicated to your artistic vision that you complete it no matter what. I think that's sick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Would we recommend? Bada bing, bada bing, we're out of here. <laughs> Wait, what oh, would we yeah. recommend? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I think that's complicated. Yeah. Would we it's, recommend? It's a, it's a case by case basis for me. I yeah. I don't think this movie is for everyone. And I think that's okay. I don't think it's meant for everyone. Yeah. I could definitely imagine having a conversation about death with someone and saying like, oh, well, uh, there's this movie that has a unique take on, you know, fear of death. But I get, yeah, it's hyper specific. Yeah. This one's going to be for for those of y'all out there. Those of y'all out there listening to this now (laughs) who are into freak. anyone into freak movies this is gonna be for you i think maybe it's worth a watch i think it's worth it's a little eccentric a little surreal and yeah worth it worth one watch (laughs) okay out of here time for scream vomit after dark now it's time for scream vomit Okay, so in this part of the show, we talk about whatever else we've been watching. So, Kali, what you been watching? All right, I checked out uh, Jim Jarmusch's Down by Law. Oh, okay. I tell you what, huh. I, I liked it. You didn't love I it. I really liked it. Uh-huh. I didn't love it, but it got me back to listening to Tom Waits. And so now <laughs> I was thinking about this it today when I was just driving and I was like, oh, Down by Law. What an incredible movie. All because I was just thinking about, I just have positive feelings towards it. Yeah. Uh, I really like it, though. It's really Was that your first John Lurie film? I believe so, yeah. So what did you think about him? Him and, uh, 
I always forget the other guy's name. Roberto Benigni. Yeah, Roberto Benigni. What did you think uh, about them? I have seen. I loved them. Yeah. I re- like. I loved everything. I I really like thought it was outstandingly so well captured. Mm-hmm. Every conversation, whether it, it, you know, it felt so. I don't have the word for it, but it was just a. a, a electric to me yeah uh while being so still there's a, a huge a lot of stillness to them there is yeah just like half the of the movie cell. or more yeah is in the jail cell um just in that one little cell <laughs> one cell yeah. and then when they're on the lamb they're just slowly you know coasting through swamp uh-huh. but i still found it very just like uh, they still, still kind of bond in the end even though they're all at odds and yeah it it just resolved well and i enjoyed it and the the vibes were on point you know you know one of my favorite scenes in that movie too is um when roberto benini gets the hiccups you never see a guy with hiccups in a movie <laughs> i just thought that was kind of <laughs> sick is... you never see it yeah name another movie with a guy right. with hiccups I okay i can't yeah uh, that's what i'm saying probably some comedy thing all right um, I watched 2020s Unhinged. What is with this? Russell Crowe. Oh, okay. It's the Unhinged <laughs> I movie. I thought you were saying 2020s was the movie. I was like, what is that? No, no, no. Okay, you watched Unhinged, which is on our pod and list, it's... so we may get around to someday, but, uh, so don't spill it's too so many good. weeds. It's too good. It's okay. so good. It's so good. It's okay. so oh, good. Oh, oh, oh. It lives up to its title. Hell yeah. It's truly Unhinged. Okay, we'll get around to that one one day. <laughs> Uh, what else? I watched Saint Maud. Okay. Yeah, really well done. Very. It's a weird slow burn horror flick oh, with okay. a lot I've seen of the religious themes. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Dialogue's very interesting in it, and the character is very well done. I watched oh, a movie I think you would enjoy called The Call. It is Korean. Korean. Uh, from 2020. It's like a time travel horror movie. Okay. And it like the Lake rocks. House. Yes, like the lake house. I'm not joking. I said the same thing when we started watching it. I was like, oh, so this, I don't want to spoil it too much. But I was like, oh, so this is just like the lake house. With bones. Like, Incredible. Really, really good, though. Worth a watch. Finally, I watched Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise, which I'd never seen. I've never seen that and either. And it's one of those like. That's like a romance movie, isn't it? Oh, Yes. It's, I love love, baby. Oh, yeah. It's a really beautiful love story. I famously hate love, so. Yeah, yeah. Avoid if you hate love, because this is all about love. And it's just great. And the dialogue is so good. And the chemistry between Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, just great. Outstanding. Big recommend if you love love. Hell yeah. Baby. What have you been watching? Okay, I didn't watch too much that I like loved this week. Yeah. But I watched a couple things that were that I'll talk about. One thing I actually want to do for the pod sometime, this movie Freaks. Have you heard of this movie? Uh it has Emile Hirsch. It's like a uh, superhero family type movie, but it's really cool. It has Bruce Dern in it too. What year? It's recent. Twenty eighteen maybe? Twenty eighteen. If you're looking it up, the cover is like an ice cream cone. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I think that's on Netflix okay. too. I want to do that for pod sometimes. I don't want to talk too much about it because um, it's, but it's good. Um, okay, so I watched 
Spring Breakers. Had you ever seen okay. this? I'd never no, seen. No, I remember it coming out, but I feel like people talk no, about this movie all the time. It is a little problematic. I watched some problematic stuff this week. Okay, don't cancel me. I watched Spring Breakers. It I does have it. a canceled person in it and on the Frank. cover, James Bleepo. <laughs> yeah. And knowing what we know now about him puts certain parts of the movie into a different light. I would say. Uh, and a, a cringy light. I, I truly just don't like him in this movie at all. But the movie in general, uh, outside of him being in it and his character, I thought was really cool. Um, it's a Harmony Korin movie, which is the same person that did Gummo. And because I watched Gummo really recently before watching this, it was really cool to see the storytelling in both of them and just like Harmony, the way he does... I, I guess I can't speak to all his movies, but the couple that I've seen now, these two, and I watch a short, um, just uses such a compilation of like vibes and like vibe shots to create a narrative. Yeah. Just like such a unique way of storytelling. I think it's really cool. It's really fascinating. I thought the movie was was cool and good and fun. I think the way it's done is really cool. Um, I always thought it would be like a corny, I don't know, like road trip movie or something like that yeah yeah was not like that at all um once i found out harmony was the person who directed it actually is what sold me on finally watching it (laughs) sure so yeah that was cool so i've been trying to find i got in a mood this week for for a space movie and there there are three space movies that i just love so much and i was trying to find i'm on a search to find another movie that fits the vibe of these three the three being Moon, which I mentioned recently, High Life, which we've done on Pod, and Prospect, which I want to do on Pod someday. Um, My three favorite space movies. So I've been soliciting suggestions for movies that are similar vibe to those three. And so I'm kind of working through a list that I got off of that. And uh, so far, all bums. Um, (laughs) I watched this movie, Europa Report. It was bad. No, no. Uh, there's no character development at all. The planet they go to is kind of cool, but you just there's like stakes and you don't know why you care because you don't know anything about the characters kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I watched this movie, Love. First of all, it's called Love. I mean, come on. Uh, that's Love, love, baby. <laughs> that one's produced by, um, by Tom DeLonge. Oh. <laughs> and Angels and Airwaves. Oh. So... Um, if that doesn't tell you enough, <laughs> I accidentally popped off on Letterboxd about that one because I got a little tick, oh, yeah. ticked about you something. You <laughs> wrote a whole thing. I don't pop off on Letterboxd that often, but every now and again, something will just hit me and I'm like, I got to pop off. Yeah, and, uh, no, I get it. So that was one that I accidentally popped off on, but uh, yeah, also didn't love that one. So still on a search with space movies. But I did watch two things this week that I really, really, really liked. So yeah. one is, uh, sorry to bring them up again, but Alex Kavitsky and Ariel Gardner, another short that they did, The Hole the Devil Put There. Um, okay. This fucking short was so funny. I was crying. Um, <laughs> this short is hilarious. It's exactly my shit. It's so unexpected. It's hysterical. You gotta watch the whole the devil put there. It's send like it to me. it's like six minutes. Sure, Hell I'll yeah. send it to you. It's on our spreadsheet too. That's in our link tree. Okay, okay. But I, I'll send it to you. Hell yeah. Okay, and then lastly, another movie that might get me canceled. Uh, I watched this movie Made in Britain. 
Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Which is an Alan Clark film. I So I've talked about another Alan Clark film on Pod Scum, which I really liked. This one I also really liked, and it's very different. So I had been kind of putting off watching this one for a while because it is about a uh, Nazi skinhead guy. <laughs> um, yep. And I was... I didn't really, I try not to look too much into the movies that I watch before I watch them because I don't want to spoil anything for myself, even something dumb. So all I knew about it was that there was this Nazi skinhead guy and I knew other people had said it was good, but I was kind of worried that there would be some hate crime type violence that I needed to be in a certain mental state to watch. Um, However, there was not any hate crime physical violence at least there really wasn't violence at all which is interesting i think the way the thing about this movie and this is going to get me canceled the the thing about this movie that's really cool is that it's about this nazi skinhead guy who is just like a punk like rebellious kid or whatever yeah yeah the way that they tell his story you kind of empathize with them sure and i think that it's interesting that they can make you feel that way about someone who's so clearly a piece of shit you know what i mean yeah so don't cancel me watch the movie i think it's really (laughs) no i totally get what you're saying though it's really Uh... good and there's no violence i thought there would be violence and there's none there's truly none or there's i'll definitely watch one tiny bit of violence at the very end and that's it and it's not even, it's there's no racial thing. It's a police thing. Plus, Tim Roth is looking. Oh my God, Tim Roth in the movie. Insane. A king. He is so good in the movie. Uh, he's, the, he's the guy. He's the Nazi skinhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and he's super fucking good in the movie. It was really good. Highly recommend. Made in Britain. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you can find us everywhere, Instagram and everywhere else, at Screen Vomit, one word on all the things. Subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and review if you're nice. Um, send us an email at ScreenVomitPod at gmail.com or tweet us with your thoughts on this movie or other movies. Suggest movies, send questions, whatever. Hey, if you want to hear me talk about labor and stuff, I got a podcast called How to Fire Your Boss. It's up now everywhere on all the stuff. Hell yeah. And then hit us up in a couple days, baby. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. I was thinking about this today because I I ate a Girl Scout cookie. Mm -hmm. Samoa. Yeah. Delicious. I look in the back. It's got fucking palm oil in it. Mm-hmm. You know where they're getting palm oil from? From palm trees. They're tearing down rainforests and getting palm trees and effectively harming and ruining the homes of orangutans. So it's like, Jesus Christ, I can't have palm oil now? Dunstan checks in. Dun- I can't, if, I, if I'm a pro-Dunstan, I can't... <laughs> if you eat palm oil, Dunstan will never check in. <laughs> <laughs> Dunstan never... <laughs> it never checks in. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's just hard. That's all I'm saying. I get it.